Let me try to pull him in instead. See All right, what happens. you try. Hello. Hey! Oh, there he is. Hey! <clears throat> now right. it's fine? It's fine. Yeah, now loud and clear. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I don't know what the hell was the issue there. I've just taken it out and plugged it back in about five times. <laughs> Sometimes that's all it takes. It's just it a takes. scant five times of replugging it in. That's it. That is it. <clears throat> so, now that we're here, what are we doing? Uh, well... Which one? Are, well, which thing are we doing? All right. Well, we're gonna do the Muppet guys talking. Muppet fans talking. Okay. And so I think what we should do now that we're here is uh, sort of take a somewhat similar approach to the approach that they took in the actual Muppet guys talking documentary. Make our own Muppet guys talking version of Muppet fans talking, which basically means. Um, we can sit around and talk with a few specific questions and topics in mind. In this case, they will mostly be related to the documentary Muppet Guys Talking, since that just came out. Um, and then we'll have a lot of freedom to kind of joke around, talk about what we want to, and I think a lot less editing for this show would be good. It's a little bit paradoxical in some way, because... Actually, uh, Muppet Guys Talking is a highly edited documentary, but it gives you the sense that they left in a lot of the things that you wouldn't normally see, so I'm interested in seeing yeah, if we can yeah. leave in a lot of the things that you wouldn't normally hear in our podcast. Okay. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Does that sound good by, by you guys? So, uh, Jared, they can hear a lot of swearing from you, if you'd like. They can? Yeah. F- yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they can hear that you do swear a lot. That doesn't mean I'm not going to bleep it out. Oh, because you're a <laughs> This is going well already. <laughs> I'm regretting so many things. Um, actually, no, just that one thing. Yeah, just, just you can just regret one. one thing a lot, really, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sick. Ow, that hurt my ears. Are we I rolling? I've one been sec. rolling for seven minutes now. I have not. Give me one sec. I'm rolling, so okay. Jared's the only one who's not rolling. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Still can't hear anything. Hmm. I think what makes Muppet Hub podcasts work is the professionalism. Um, oh, I was okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you dared to try to take me seriously for a second on my setup to a joke, and you hurt the joke a little bit. But yours was good too. I don't know Thank whether you. or not they. Well, I thought that the last Muppet fans talking wasn't going to work, and yet people are listening. I'm not getting. Well, a see, lot and of, I told you it would work, and it did work. I'm not getting a lot of loving feedback or anything. Like people seem to like that show, um, for the most part. You know, I mean, well, how much feedback are you asking for? I don't know. It's just every now and again, it's really nice when you hear I love this episode. I guess I did hear that a bit this time. Now that I think about it, yeah. Right. I did. I got some positive. You you heard it more for this episode than anything else, and you didn't even think that one was going to be a good one. It was a little bit boring in parts, but I forgot just how good the performances are in that one. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I I always... Jared doesn't know, because he doesn't listen, because he's the bad friend. Um... Steve's the good friend. He will listen to my work multiple times. Multiple times. For no good reason. That's called insanity. 
I know. I would no, never no, 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 ever it's not. listen to one of these. It's not things. because I never expect it to get better. You see, <laughs> that would be insanity. But I know what I'm getting every time I listen to it. So yeah, it's, fair it's fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, Steve, you had your chance there. That was the one time when I was ever going to call you a good friend. Uh. And you just blew it. <laughs> Completely blew it. Uh huh. Well, I just I didn't want you to, to uh, continue this friendship under false pretenses, so I thought I'd just, you know, let you know. I appreciate exactly your where we were. I appreciate yeah, no, your brutal. That's both both of you. Your best quality is the brutal honesty. Steve, in the case of being a mean person, and Jared, in the case of right, swearing. See, I, I I'm I'm brutally honest with you because I love you. The people who say they love you are the ones who treat you nicely, but I don't because I actually love you, JD. Well, Steve, the people who say they love you are dishonest, so... Right, exactly. That's, they're that's lying. kind of where I was going. But. Yeah. <laughs> so, glad we're all on the same page. Glad we're, we're, we're there, yes. yes. So, uh, how do we start this? I think we just I'm did. I'm rolling, let's just, let's just go. Alright, uh, let's play a theme song, why not? Which is what okay. we just did. Yeah, that, okay. that just happened. Okay, cool. That was a great theme song. <laughs> I know. Um, Jared, what's your favorite part of the theme? My favorite part is that bit where it goes, um, where it does that bit. Oh, oh that's a great bit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love it so much. All right, so, uh, hi everybody, I'm sorry, J.D. Sorry, Hanks. Hmm? sorry, sorry, can we do that again? I have a better joke. <laughs> okay, sure, let's go again. Okay. What's your favorite part of the theme song, Jared? When it ended. Mm, uh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Statler and Waldorf although, material right there. Although, Jared, you know, the end of the song means that's where JD starts talking. No. I like the start, because that's oh, the longest okay, between now, the music no, and JD That's what talking. I thought. That's <laughs> yeah. what I thought, yeah. Technically, I talk at the start of the theme song, too. Um, but I like to think that the end of the theme is where the Muppet fans all start talking. Like, sometimes it's actually not me right after the show. Sometimes it's Steve. That's true. Sometimes it... But it, regardless, it is one of the Muppet fans talking, which is the name of this show, by the which way. Which is the name of the show that everyone's listening to right now. Hello, everyone. Right. I'm J.D. Hansel from Muppet Hub, and I'm joined by... Steve Swanson from the Muppet Cast and the Fan Press Podcast. And... All right, Jared and Fipper. that's everybody. So, moving Wow. On. Wow. Wow. I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> Ow. No, you've made your point. Continue. I didn't even want to plug my own site called MuppetMindset.com. Hey, Jared, didn't you actually uh, interview Frank Oz just recently for, for MuppetMindset.com? Yeah, let's talk about that. I did. I interviewed Frank Oz uh, about two weeks ago. Isn't it uh, fun met- interviewing Frank? I remember it's when so I interviewed, fun interviewed Frank, Frank Oz. Oz. How I interviewed Frank Oz for the Muppet Cast a while, but it, it, interviewing Frank Oz is one of his life's great pleasures. Wouldn't you agree, really... JD? Oh. Oh, oh, no. Oh, never mind. Okay, moving on, moving on. Jared, isn't having hair one of life's great pleasures? Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, some chicks uh, dig well, ball you've got guys, enough you know. of it all over your face, so. Oh! That's very true. That's, well, that just means I have more pleasure. Oh, the less said about that, the better. Okay, moving (laughs) on. The less said about that, the better. Uh, Mm. So, uh, I miss this. But no, Jared, let's let's go there first, because we're talking about Muppet Guys talking anyway. Um, And I think the the first most interesting thing that we all noticed about this is that this documentary forced Frank Oz to sort of come out into, you know, out of his hidey hole into the limelight. Um, 
Is it safe for us to assume that Dave Goals based Boober on Frank Oz because it's the same voice? Like, <laughs> think I mean, about it's not it. Far off. Yeah, it's it's true. Like when I first was watching Fraggle Rock when I was younger, I thought Boober was performed by Frank Oz because it's such a close voice. So here's the thing: I would say that Boober is what it sounds like when Dave Goals does a Frank Oz impression, except now because of the documentary, we know what it sounds like when Dave Goals does a Frank Oz impression. And it's a little different. <laughs> it is. That's one of my favorite parts of the whole documentary is his, well, I don't know, just his snobby look off to the side. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it, I mean, it's almost more like an impression of me than an impression of Frank, but they kept they kept showing it over and over again in the doc because it just works and it just gets everyone laughing. Um, but no, Frank's come out of the hidey hole and he's he started engaging with people. Um, what has that been like? What is, what's it like having this new Frank Oz? I was really... When I did the interview with him, because I've yeah. interviewed him... Haven't you, Steve? Oh, yeah, I have interviewed him. Yeah, yeah that was so great. much fun. Yeah, Such a great yeah. guy. Uh, yeah. But when I interviewed him, when I interviewed him and not J.D. Hansel... Um, I had a question at the start about his, um, about, you know, the fact that he'd always seemed a little bit shy over the last 15 years. Yeah. And I sort of left a bit of a gap thinking he might jump in and say something about it, but he stayed quiet. And so I thought, right, well, let's not push it because I'm worried that it's almost going to seem like I'm accusing him of, Mm. um you know, trying to forget his roots. But Hmm. throughout the rest of the conversation, I don't think that's the case at all. I think he was just more trying to be like, well, look what else I can do. And then through circumstances not necessarily relating to him, he's just had to completely step back when, as he said to me, he'd happily come back if they asked him. Right. I think he's always said that. He's always said he would be happy to go back to the Muppets if they asked him. It's just he got so caught up with, with the directing. Well, um, and I think and that I, also I, that he, uh, if he were to come back, if they were to ask him to come back, I don't think it would just be, oh, okay, sure, see you tomorrow. It would be, well, okay, I will come back if, the, if I have some creative influence over yeah. these things. And yeah. that's Which the part is, that I'm not sure that like, Disney is ready to go down that no. direction. And he said that himself in that interview with me. He said he wants some sort of control, which he doesn't think Disney is willing to give him. Yeah, yeah. Which is which unfortunate I think because should. I think it would make it it would make it so much better. But it would absolutely. I think they're silly yeah. not to give it to him, even just for one production, just to see what he can do. Just yeah, yeah. I don't know. So I I actually haven't. Uh, read this this article on the Muppet mindset the the interview that you did I didn't see I, I didn't see that it was it was posted um, it's nice to know that the Muppet mindset still has articles because I sometimes forget that now um, but I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about uh, how that experience went for you Jared the interview itself uh, yeah what was the interview itself like so I had about three weeks uh, between finding out I was doing the interview and the interview itself. So I planned all the questions ahead. I narrowed them down because I was told I had 15 minutes. Okay. And that's really not enough time to talk to Frank Oz. But no. I went, that's a great. I will get everything I can done in 15 minutes. So 
had everything. I culled a bunch of questions. I honed it all, got it right down. So I was petrified at the start. Yeah. The phone rang and set the whole thing up. And there was, you know, Booba's voice, Frank Oz. Yeah. Saying, you know, hi, Jared, how are you? And within probably a minute or so, I was completely at ease. He was honestly like talking to an old friend, which I'm sure you've experienced, Steve, seeing as you've also interviewed Frank Oz. Yes, I had the same experience when I interviewed Frank Oz for the Muppet cast, yes. Yes, 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 because interviewing Frank Oz, as you said, is one of life's greatest pleasures. One of the best, just really, yeah, yeah. But, so I finished the, uh, the questions I had, and I'd gone into 20 minutes. So I was told I had 15, I had gone to 20, and I thought, well, you know what, I can't complain with that. They didn't stop me at 15 minutes. So I began to wrap the whole thing up, and Frank interrupted me and said, no, 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 keep going. Keep asking questions. <laughs> nice. Wow. So I, like, you can hear my voice in the recording, which I'm not releasing, but right. Um, you can tell just how shocked I am where I just go, oh, I can keep going. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm okay. And there's silence for about 10 seconds while I go, uh, what the hell am I going to do now? Right. I, I didn't plan for this. No, no, I did didn't you, plan for this. And did so you say that to him? Did you ask him that question? What are you going to do now? I did say to him, all right, give me a moment. I need to start thinking of a question <laughs> because I don't have anything planned. And he just laughed and said, you know, take your time. So then I just blurted out the first question I had, which is about guest stars on The Muppet Show. Um, but it was a really difficult moment because I had to listen to his answer. I had to comment on anything you might say or ask but i also have to think of the next question yeah welcome to my world yeah yeah my brain (laughs) was just in a whirl and i finally just thought to myself no you know what don't worry about um the next question just come up with whatever um whatever you know comes into your mind first yeah it's a conversation yeah it's a conversation which a lot of it flows like a conversation, but there are one or two times in that interview, if you read part two, where it seems to change um, change topic all of a sudden. And that was because I had nothing more to say what he was talking about, so I just went on to whatever the next thing was. Yeah, and yeah. while I was transcribing it, I was almost trying to make it flow really well, but then I'm like, well, there's absolutely no segue between you know point A and point B, so the segue let's just get to point b exactly i think yeah in a text interview you can get away like when someone's reading it you can get away with uh questions with no segues at all in my experience now i I will say this when i was uh on the phone with ceo of the jim henson company lisa henson which is not as impressive not as impressive nice try nice try but okay something something have have either of you been on the phone with the person who owns the jim henson company i mean i've emailed with cheryl henson i mean i've that's i've hung out with them in in atlanta and at the center for puppetry arts before but right Uh, but okay i've hung out you got to skype with some i've hung out with them in atlanta too steve i've hung out with them in atlanta too okay Um, good good for you jd You know, you got to keep in mind <laughs> that I've said that this isn't edited. That doesn't you know, mean okay. it won't be. Here's, like, I no, can he- cut all this out, only leave the parts I like, um, 
That's, you're producing this one. You're right. Right. No, I'm you don't, producing this one. So you got to think. You, but you but were no, making really. a good I, point about interviewing. What, you what you I, were saying let, something I, that was. Let me yeah. say what I was going to say, Steve. Um, oh, go ahead. I won't interrupt you anymore. Thank you. Go ahead. I Let's might. See. Oh, oh, okay. Right. No, I won't. Are you sure? We'll say. Okay. In the case of the Henson Company phone call, that was a situation in which I had a very limited number of questions. Um, mm hmm. And my questions had to be submitted beforehand so they would know what I was going to ask. And I think that made for a very strange and awkward interviewing situation. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. It, it just didn't work because they had already read the questions. Um, and so they were kind it's of... More like PR at that point, right? Yeah, they were kind of already talking about this stuff and responding to it before I was asking my questions. Um, and so when I was asking the questions, it seemed very strange and redundant. And in a weird way, they were almost not prepared for them. And they were wondering... They almost seem to be wondering why I wasn't asking something else. So I found that to be very strange. Whereas yeah. what I strictly prefer is in these interviews, like when I was talking with uh, Brian J. Jones or the directors of I Am Big Bird, with one of those conversations where I had a list of questions um, and I had a good lengthy list to choose from. So if I didn't get to some of them, that was fine. But I could bounce around such that if their answer had led to a different question elsewhere on my list, then I could just go to that part of the list. So what I find is if you have enough questions, that gives you a lot of flexibility to let the conversation push you to whichever question works, and then you just make up a couple of more that will keep the conversation going wherever they're starting to, to lead it. And I, I think I did something similar with Lisa Loeb. Well, along those lines, though, uh, don't, you know, don't overlook the fact that for a podcast interview or any kind of audio or even more pressure video interview you've got to be entertaining and on your game and part of you know ke keeping the flow going as well for an audience whereas um i really envy you jared just getting to to do a phone chat with him and then transcribe the answers because yeah you don't have to you don't have to be like the guy the host guy while right, your yeah. nerves are going a zillion miles a minute and trying to think, oh god, oh god, what do I ask Frank Oz? What do I ask Frank Oz? Yeah, you know that, that it's it's nerve wracking. It's 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 a lot of fun doing these interviews with anyone like this, uh, but it's it, it is a little nerve wracking too. So um, you know, it, that was a great interview you did. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah, no, a absolutely, and you know, it, I, uh, I I do hope that you get the chance to do some kind of audio thing though sometime just so you can know what JD and I go through with this stuff. Yeah, I think uh, I had a professor once who talked about um, the art of interruption. And I think that's another tricky that's thing. That's a very about good when you're doing point. Interrupting interviews. is a yeah. lost art form. I would have to agree with that. <laughs> oh also I wanted to go back to something. Actually you Steve, said. I think that it's not exactly what you mean there. What the professor was talking about is how I'm in interrupting. A casual I'm conversation, interrupting. I'm interrupting. What too. happens is <laughs> This is like a cable news show right here. No, I wanted to I wanted to say one other thing. I I, I wanted to uh, go back to something that you had said about interviewing people and you mentioned Brian J. Jones. Yeah. Which I I don't know about you, Jared. Crap, I have I was not supposed to respond to a message from him. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the cool thing Sorry, about continue. Brian J. Jones, Jared, is that JD actually got to uh, hang out in a bar and interview him in person and Brian J. Jones bought JD Hansel a beer. Really? Right? This is not true. So is JD Hansel old enough to have a beer? Is he only about twelve? Oh wait, he wasn't twenty-one yet. So oh no, he no. didn't have a beer with. Okay, oh. never mind. But it was cool that he got to interview Brian, right? 
You know, that was I, I wasn't interviewing Brian then. We were just hanging out in a bar talking because, you know, some people like me. <laughs> really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, unlike my friends, some unlike people your friends like talking. Who will tell you the truth. Other people <laughs> who say they like you, actually, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think that interviewing on mic is tricky because of the balance between trying to be the host of the show um, who is entertaining the guests while at the same time the one who's trying to, or rather, sorry, the listeners, entertaining the listeners while at the same time being very welcoming to the guest. But then yeah. if you yeah. ever want to ask any questions that are really challenging, you're also going to be something of a rival to the guest at the same time. Um, and so usually with what we do, fortunately, we're not really asking the tough questions. We do these softball interviews all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but it's you still feel like whenever you ask a question, you got to make sure it's the right one, or else you're going to make them uncomfortable, which is not what you want it, for what we're doing. I'm, it's it's so much about trying to make sure that you're getting a good uh, performance out of them on the one hand, but also make them feel really really comfortable with whatever they're doing for you. Right, and so I had a couple of questions originally where I took them out because I thought this is either going to feel like it's attacking if I, you know even pronounce it the wrong way or, you know, put the wrong inflection in. Yeah. Or if he seems to be, you know, in a bit of a grumpy mood for whatever reason or he's had a bad day. What? Frank Oz what? and a grumpy... That's not... No, <laughs> that's not the Frank Oz that we've only known for decades with the exception of the past year. No. No, no. Uh, so that was really concerning that everything I asked, especially when I was just making stuff up because I literally was just asking the first thing that came to my head. <laughs> so, it, it, it got a little dicey at one point, but that's okay. Um, wow, all right, well done, Jared. Did he rip your balls off? He No, he, he didn't. He, he lovingly caressed them. <laughs> wow. So that's why We're it's leaving a pleasure. That in. That's why it's a pleasure interviewing Frank Oz? Is that the pleasure? Well, you'll find out one day, JD. Ooh. <laughs> but... It's funny I think you that's. Say... I think we have our show title right there. <laughs> oh wait, which of the things that was just said is the show title, Steve? It matters which of the things. I think he lovingly caressed them is the show title. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I don't care. <laughs> See, I'm just going to continue on with my point. Uh, As you should. I had originally, after I finished the interview, I was originally going to come to you two and say you know, if I want to release the audio, can I do it through, you know, one of your, hmm. you know, podcasts? But listening back on it during the transcribing process, I realised that because I wasn't on, um, if that makes sense, because I wasn't really hosting, I was just having yeah. a conversation, I felt a little bit awkward a couple of times, um... I stumbled over my own words a few times. He stumbled over his own words a few times, and I think it's because I think he might have been a little more concise had he known the audio was going to be released. I did tell him beforehand it wouldn't. Um, oh, so then you can't do it, yeah? So that I can't do it. Although I'm sure I probably could have gone to um, the publicist John and said, "If Frank's okay with it, can I release the audio?" And I don't think he would have had an issue with it. But just I think he would have own, had an issue with it. 
knowing okay. knowing what I know about Frank Oz's history with never wanting audio recordings of him on the internet when they're recorded by other people, even if it's people he kind of trusts, because I do know a bit about that, because again, mm. my drinking right. buddy you, has interviewed You him. and I had that conversation. Yes, yes. But, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. This is a failure of the art of interruption. Continue, Jared. No, that's all right. Um, yeah, it just goes back to the fact that I felt quite awkward listening to myself, I think, because I wasn't on. So if I was ever going to do something audio-wise, I would have to be, almost like I am now, on and a little more concise with my thoughts, even though I'm repeating myself ten times and trying to get over the fact that I'm clearly hearing someone on the other end occasionally open a can of drink or eat some food. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, you, you're hearing that too? Yeah, I'm hearing that too. Yeah, yeah. Somebody should mute their microphone when they're doing that stuff. Otherwise, they're going to get flecks of chips in their puberty beard. Right? Yeah. We don't what are that. you hearing? I think you know. Because I just got back from a big dinner. I'm not eating anything right now. We know what you're doing. But I know what I'm not doing because I'm the <laughs> one that's here. But see, this is the beauty of radio theater. Jared, we could literally make up any scenario that we think is happening right now, and the audience will have no choice but to imagine it. Well, we, exactly already, right. we already know that Frank Oz is caressing Jared's... I'm going to Well, stop. we do know that. All right, yes. all right. All right. I'm so, st- hey, what did we think of the actual movie, by yeah, the way? Yeah, actually, you know what? Weren't we reviewing this thing? <laughs> we were doing a lot of things. We were doing we a lot were. of things. Well, I think that it's this is difficult to review because for the okay, previous wait, wait. reviews that we've done, it's been focused on stuff that has a narrative. It's always been stuff where there's a story here. In this case, there is no story, so there's no clear way to give a synopsis of the film. It's not clear no, it's, how to navigate right. through this. It can't be the same kind of correcting Kim thing no you're right about that although okay so let's talk about something about this film that i think uh definitely merits some discussion so as we all know the film was released nationwide over the internet maybe worldwide i don't know how different Mm -hmm. regions of the internet work but uh did you do you guys have access to it now in australia jared yes Yes, okay so yes but bear in mind now in australia is last week okay that's true so uh Everyone has access to go on to MuppetGuysTalking.com and purchase a digital copy of the movie. You can view it at your leisure forever and ever until the cows come home. For what? The price of $10, right? Correct. Yeah. Or <laughs> you can get the movie and some some bonus features like some extra chat sessions, I guess, right? A couple different Google Hangouts uh sessions we we talked we were talking about you know how you can record a google hangout and it won't split out to for podcasters it's not great because it doesn't give you individual audio tracks that you know we can edit together to make it sound really nice it just you get what you get but you can record these things uh and you know publish them to whatever you want to publish them to so uh the muppet guys talking guys have done or are doing um or are going to do a couple google hangout chats uh, for some uh, a certain price tier and record those and give you those along with the movie for the price of $100. Well, that's only $90 more, Steve. I don't it's, see... Oh, no, okay. Why are you now, being I, so greedy? Okay, well, <laughs> so when I, when I go to... And I don't buy 
many Blu-ray movies or DVDs. Or I usually just you know will go on Amazon and rent it for a few bucks. Or or if I really like it, I'll purchase the movie digitally, and then I've got it you know forever. And then it's it's ten, fifteen bucks or whatever. And you know sometimes those come with extras, whatever. But getting a DVD with some extras for a hundred dollars, I I don't know who's bought that. Has anyone? Have any of the three of us paid a hundred dollars to see Muppet Guys talking? Nope. Uh, I actually went with the uh, next tier up from that, which is five hundred dollars. Oh, um, oh, it includes all of the same things and a lollipop. Oh, nice! I nice. know it's great. Oh, that, also, when Frank Oz will caress uh, my beard. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I, I'm just. I'm curious. Did did he not talk to anyone who's ever done a Kickstarter and like, hey, you've got to have a couple levels in between ten and a hundred? Okay, so I, I've thought about this, and okay, uh, eventually I, I realized what was going on when I was um, when I was playing a game earlier today. Are you familiar? Oh, really? Are you familiar with the game Monopoly? I am, you don't want to play me in Monopoly. Yeah, funny. Oh, that's good. Funny. Um, um, I, I am quite familiar with Monopoly, yes. Yeah. So I think that that's where uh, Frank got the idea from. I think Frank was playing Monopoly, oh, and he noticed okay. when someone landed on his property, the rent that they had to pay him was usually $10. Unless he had a house on it, then it was $100. So he <gasps> oh, thinks that's how the economy okay. works. Why? Because he is still living in a cartoon version of the 1920s. He's just not used to the internet yet. That's what it is. So we still have to do some work to get him used to the internet so he understands how prices work. That's all. Well, okay. That maybe and maybe you're right about that, but I have a different theory. Okay. Um my theory is and just tell me if you agree with this. Now, the Frank Oz that we have I don't. known Well, okay. The the Frank Oz that we have known for the past year uh-huh. has been very outgoing with fans. He's given a lot of interviews. He's talked a lot about his time with the Muppets. Um, he's been on Twitter. He's been, you know, making Facebook videos with his Muppet pals. He's done all these great things for fans mm-hmm. within the last year. Mm-hmm. But in the decades before that, and not years, decades before that, we've known Frank Oz and commented on Frank Oz being a little cur- more curmudgeonly. Um, a little disagreeable, didn't really want to talk to, about working with the Muppets. He wanted to talk about whatever movie he had just directed, which is fine, but everyone knows him for being an originator of the Muppets, and he didn't want to talk about that, right? Uh, more or less, yeah. More or less. All right, he came on the Muppet cast, but apart from that, apart from that, he didn't really do a whole lot of talking about the Muppets. And then suddenly he started being nice to fans. And my theory is, this is why. Because he wanted to get $100 for the movie. Sorry, can we also just point out that if you don't buy this film by the 21st of March, it goes up to 200 <gasps> Are you kidding? So, so this, this is why, right here. Hi, Frank Oz here. Uh, I'm uh, in New York City. See Riverside Park here. I came out here because uh, I've been working inside all day long and I just wanted to come out and actually record something for you. It was really brisk about 10 minutes ago. Now it's really cold, so I'll be going in soon. Uh, but 
what I wanted to do is record this and, and tell you something. For those of you who know that we've shot a documentary called Muppet Guys Talking, you know, we've decided to try and get it out to the public on our own website, not through Netflix, not through any big companies, because we wanted to come directly to you. But that meant that I had to go out and kind of sell it. And I'm not good at selling. And I didn't want to leave you with the impression that that's what we were doing. It just, all these interviews, I just felt a little bit odd doing it. So I just want to let you know why we really want to get this to you. And, and I want to get it to you because it reminds me of, of when it was just Jim and me and Jerry Jewell and Don Soline on 53rd Street and 2nd Avenue in New York City, just uh, about uh, two rooms and we were doing television commercials. And that's the spirit uh, of, of how it was to work with Jim. And we would work 24 hours a day. We would have a lot of fun. Jim would always work harder than us. We, you know, we, we, there's no jealousy, there's no politics. It was, just, it was just working for excellence. And even if we didn't like the work, we had a lot of fun. And I kind of want you to remember that and not me selling, because that's what Muppet Guys Talking is really about. And I just wanted to tell you that, that's all. It's because he wanted to get at least, I'm going to say, $100 for this movie per person. Okay, Steve. Yes. How does this actually follow from Frank Oz's character? Does this really seem like what Frank Oz's motivation would be? Um, well, I don't know. If I knew, if, okay, I'm a, a musician. I like to dabble in music. I, I've put out a couple albums. If I put out an album and I really wanted to make sure, and, and, the, and the price of that album was $10 or $100 for an extra song on that album, I would really be nice to as many people as I could to try to get that extra $90. And I think, just putting that out there, that this is why all of it, right here, this, $100. Steve, I think you're being a little silly. Um, I mean, it's funny, and Me? that's good. Being a little silly? I know. Who could imagine? Who um, could imagine that? I think there's got to be more to it here. I think that... Okay. I think that Frank was not prepared for how costly it was going to be to actually get a PR company um, working on, well, the PR. Uh, there, I know, as I understand it, there are multiple groups involved in the management and PR for this thing. And oh, sure. And then there's the setup of the website... The setup of getting the cost fixed, um, or the, the you know the price setup so that you can click someplace online and the money is transferred. All of that stuff requires people, and they can't be frank. Um, and so I think that he was probably expecting that he would be able to put this out there for everybody at a very nice low cost, um, but then found that that's really not how things work. If you want to distribute a movie online, that can still, if you want to do it well and get the word out to a lot of people, it can still be costly. So I think what he tried to do was set it up such that there's a way that he'll still be able to, you know, make his money back on this thing um, mm -hmm. to, to cover all the expenses that Victoria <laughs> uh, had to pay. She was producer, right? So she was paying the one. This was coming out I of her pocket. So. I think. I think. I think this was yeah. coming out of her pocket. I think she was, to a large extent, she was a driving force behind this. If she's credited as producer, that 
then that means that yes. she was the one who put the money down, but maybe not. He he probably had some money behind it too, but still, I think they needed to get that covered so that this wasn't too much of a cost to them. Yeah. And making yeah. sure that you can get this out there for people to own for 10 bucks, that's a decent way to do it. Like, if I wanted to buy a DVD of this film, um, I would be paying at least 10 bucks, right? And if they had gone the Kickstarter route, then I would probably pay, be paying 10 bucks on the front end just to make sure it got made, and then possibly more money to actually go see this thing. Um, I, I know that for... What was it? For uh, the I Am Big Bird documentary, it felt like I put a, a, over $25 down up front, and then I was still paying for a ticket to go see the screening before finally, a million years later, I actually got some of the stuff sent to me. Um, like it was well over a year after I saw it before I finally got a DVD and Frank did find a way to avoid all this so that for a pretty cheap price, 10 bucks, if you want the movie, you have access to it, to stream it forever online and you just get access to an MP4 file of whichever size you want, which is awesome. That's way better than just owning a copy on some Amazon cloud. I want the MP4 file and he gave us that for 10 bucks. And so now the people who can give more to support him can give more, and that's nice. Uh, and the people who can't won't, and that's fine. So it's it's not a bad system. It's just weird and kind of crazy. Like us. I just find I just find the price jump. <laughs> yeah. Astronomical. That's what like, I, yeah, that's what I have a problem with. Here's, I, I considering. Sorry, I've got it open at the moment, right? So for 97, and that's only for another two days, then it goes up to, oh, three days in your case, and then it goes up to 197. So you get, uh, what aren't you getting in the 97? Okay, so you get the live hangouts with the guys. Okay, I feel like that's really not going to be worth an extra, you know, $90. Yeah. Recordings of the live hangouts. Let's be honest, we all know Muppet fans, that thing will be online within 10 minutes of it finishing. Someone will have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Membership in the private Muppet Guys Talking Facebook community. I can't, like, interact with the Muppet Guys Talking fans. I can do that on my own website. That's not worth uh, $9. Yeah. But wait, there's more. The bonus extra footage. You have deleted scenes, outtakes, and other great moments we couldn't fit into the movie. Now, Muppet Wiki did a thing on Twitter the other day where they bought the $97 tier. Yeah. At the moment, the only extra footage in there goes for a minute and a half, and it looks like there's only another five videos coming out. And from what he believes, it's only about an extra uh, minute and a half each video anyway. So really, it looks like you're paying an extra $90 for about eight more minutes of footage. Oh, no. I think the thinking... I think the thinking was that, first of all, can we just all agree to, like, pitch in and give this guy a little bit of money to help him recover from this? Because he took one for the team by revealing to all of us that we didn't need the $100 package. So it would be nice if, like, we could get 50 to 100 Muppet fans to contribute a dollar or two. That would be neighborly. So let's uh, let's start a Kickstarter campaign that will actually make more sense than what Frank Oz is doing. Um, oh, God. Well, it will make more sense if it's a Kickstarter thing, right? Right, right, right. I'm right. Shut up. Anyway, um, the we love you, Frank Oz. Anyway. Uh, the, yeah, can we pause? 
we actually do. We really love like Frank, Frank Oz so much. Like, I understand done... that we're. Well, you. Oh, you. Okay. J- Jared has a counterpoint. No, no, no. Sorry, I was gonna say I don't blame Frank Oz for that pricing in the slightest. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, we all love Frank Oz. We're really bitching here, but yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, we are Muppet fans talking here, and we name this show in honor of the movie that he made and all the work that he did. So, like, okay, now we can go back to bitching. Sorry, just had yeah. to get that out there. It's. I. I think. Oh, darn! What was I going to say? I had a point. Well, you had the Kickstarter thing. No, I, I, I had a more important point, and that was, I think, uh, what they were probably trying to do by having such a huge jump there, what he's expecting is probably a very small number of people, like maybe five, um, who will pay that extra money and then have additional access to Frank um, and to these other performers. And by having that jump there, I think you make sure that it's not too many people, it's not too unmanageable, and it's not every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Because as it is now, if I, like, I, a lot of us tried to ask questions on that, um, the Facebook Live thing they did where they had, uh, uh, who was it, Adam Savage, uh, mm, yeah. Ryan Johnson, also known as the man with the most average name ever, also known as director of Star Wars, uh, the Last Jedi, the best Star Wars movie. Um, Worst Star Wars movie the ever. The best yes. Star Wars movie ever. Yes, Ryan Johnson. Um, and 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 like a lot of us tried to ask questions, but unless you just filled that stream with a million of them, they wouldn't have never answered them. The only one who was looking at that was Bill because he's the young one. Um, so he <laughs> was so he was <laughs> nice enough and tech savvy enough to hop on there and look at people's questions. So I think yeah. And the, the, but the main problem was just that there were hundreds and hundreds of people all jumping in to say, I like Fozzie. Like, that's the kind of crowd that you typically get in a lot of these things, right? When everyone's invited, that's so what free admission many, gets you, yes. So many people show up to contribute useless, useless comments. Like, every now and again, you get a comment that's just like, I'm Kermit. And it's like, okay, what do I, I know this from, you know, from running a Muppet fan site. Every now and again, you get a comment that just doesn't. Yeah, it's just noise. It's just clutter. Um, so say, what I think sorry, he's sorry, what I, you say oh, every so often, mate. I get that every single day, right. if not at least three or four times a day. Right. So I think that what Frank figured he could do is give some people with more money the opportunity to be in a small pool of people. Um, who will have this special access to Frank and the guys and who might actually get Frank Oz to answer more of their questions. The only thing that gets in the way of this is that Frank is already answering questions on Twitter. Not mine, but like I've already been tweeted at by Frank Oz. So until I someday interview him and he strokes my beard, I'm, I'm good for now. Like I don't need to pay the hundred bucks for that. So yeah. I get the idea of creating this smaller group that has the special access to his group. I just don't think that that works here. I mean, really, what you're what you're paying for is not special access to Frank Oz, since he's on Twitter. It's special access to uh, Fran Brill and Dave Goals. I, I would pay for some special access to to uh, Dave Goals and Fran Brill. Yeah, I have Dave Goals' email address. I don't need special access. JD, do you do you have Dave Goals' email address? I. Uh, I have okay, Craig so that makes Shannon's. one of us who. Uh, I, well, I don't want to. I don't want to exclude JD in this, but you know, in any I case, do. I, I, I understand do. what you're saying uh, there, Jared, and uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. 
<laughs> okay, and with Great that... Great point. Well made, Steve. Thank you. With Thank that you. excellent... Well, I'm trying to... Uh, well put. Just this is this is about the, the, point. the longest stretch of a non-review review that we've ever done for something. It's like no, no, I, the longest stretch was definitely in the Star Wars podcast. Okay, now that's true. That is yes. true. Well, but we, this it, one is uh, yeah. Well, wait, wait. I wanted to talk about the other things about Muppet Guys talking because I think Muppet Guys isn't just the documentary itself. It's other factors. It's other features. Okay, let's um, do that. And so we've talked about what these other features are. We've talked about the the about how Frank Oz is coming back to the limelight. We've talked about the experience of paying more money or not paying more money um, and how this was sort of released. So now I think we're free to talk about the documentary itself. We can finally get right to the point and talk about what is in the documentary Muppet Guy is Talking and do a proper review right after the break. Hi, I'm J.D. Hansel. Of 40 Muppet minutes into this thing and now we're just doing this? Because it's going to take us, what, 10 minutes? Okay. Also, Steve, is that you eating? No, it's really not. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I was just going I heard along something, with you. but it didn't sound like eating. It sounded like water running. I still can't help you. But I know no, I don't, well, I don't know. Nothing from my end. I, I will and tell you that, that uh, when that sound went off, the little blue ring around your picture went off. Really? Well, yeah. it might be that uh, I'm talking to you guys. You're hearing me through my just regular iPhone earbuds. Okay. And so maybe it's the microphone like bumping up against me or something like Quite that. Quite possibly, yeah. That could be it. There's a lot of that stuff going on. But I wasn't yeah. going to get let that get in a good way of a, of a good bit, so, you know. Okay. All right, you guys. So, let's bring yeah. back everyone's favorite segment, First Impressions. First Impressions. Man, I haven't said that in a while. Oh, that feels good. All right, everybody. What are your first impressions after watching Muppet Guys Talking? Go. Somebody go. Actually, I'm going to let Jared go first. I really enjoyed uh, how fun and playful it was, and I really enjoyed the fact that we got to see Jerry again. Yeah, that was good. Love Jerry. That was what I was going to say, too. Is that, that, that was my favorite part was getting to see more Jerry. I mean, yeah. He's just such a, a wonderful person, a wonderful performer, and getting getting more stories from all of them was great. And I really appreciated the fact that I saw things in this movie and heard stories that I hadn't heard before, because you know, I think the three of us kind of being um, bigger fans of Muppet stuff than the average bear, we Muppet, know Muppet a lot pundits, more yes, of these Muppet pundits. Yeah, Right, Muppet pundits. Uh, we know more of these kind of uh, this kind of trivia stuff and these little behind-the-scenes stories. But to hear things that I hadn't heard before, that that was the, the most fun for me. It was like, oh, the, I I am also experiencing this as a new thing, and not just oh, they're telling this story again. Hmm. So I saw the documentary a bit after you guys did actually largely because i just finished it a few hours ago um but you guys both told me that you were that it exceeded expectations in every way yep so okay that noise was from your end jared i heard a noise that was definitely from you jared 
I think that was a car going by. Okay, it might have been. I live on a main road. That's what it was. Okay, sorry. What I was expecting more of in this documentary was probably cracking jokes at each other's expense or practical joking. A lot of the kinds of things that you see in some of the content they released early, like the bit where they're sneaking up behind each other during the one-on-one interviews. Mm -hmm. I was expecting more playfulness. I was expecting maybe some more things I hadn't heard before. Um, I was just expecting something a bit more, you know, exciting and interesting and engaging. So I was underwhelmed by this. There were times when I I got kind of bored and thought I could be doing something else at the same time when I was uh, listening to it without having to watch it much. I wasn't that... I thought I was going to be a lot more into it than I was. I still think this is a phenomenal documentary, one of my favorites. I think it's stylistically brilliant. I think that it's a great gift to Muppet fans, and I did love seeing Jerry again. It's just that most of the things that I thought I would see in this documentary, I did to some extent. It was about what I expected, except a little bit less. For you guys, I don't know if you just didn't have expectations already, or if you had... You couldn't have had low expectations. Like... What was going on? I had I had moderate expectations. Uh, what, yeah. what, how because were they moderate? We, okay, well, because we've been hearing about this film for a, a year now, because it debuted last year at South by Southwest, and it was a big hit there, and I get that, and Steve, that's fine. Steve, it's pronounced debutted. Oh, thank you, thank you, yes. Um, part of a long-running gag, folks. Anyways, yeah. uh, I thought it was going to be uh, you know, a good retelling of well, kind of what I mentioned earlier, a lot of stories that I probably already knew, but maybe a lot of other people didn't. So it was letting, uh, you know, a lot of other people into the world of the Muppets and giving them more of a window, but maybe not necessarily me. So when I saw this and, uh, you know, I agree with you stylistically, it was, it was pitch perfect. You know, it felt very at ease. You know, you felt like you were just sitting around the same circle with these guys listening to their stories and you know being part of a conversation with people who you normally wouldn't get to to be around and hear this kind of uh these kind of you know inside baseball stories uh but as i was watching it as i realized oh wait i get a new experience in this too it's not just a pretty muppet documentary it's actually there's something really cool in this for me uh that's when my expectations went from okay this is going to be this is going to be good for most other people and I'll kind of enjoy it too wow I really like this this is really cool this is worth 10 bucks and then I saw the price tag for 100 and said nope but 10 bucks <laughs> great movie absolutely it's 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 I'm proud to own it can I ask JD how yeah. much of your expectations came from what Steve and I said um I ask that because some, I've gone into maybe movies some. before. I've yeah. gone into movies before, um, like Guardians of the Galaxy, the very first one. Yeah. I went in and had been told by more than one person that it was one of the best films I'd ever seen. I went in, watched it, and I walked out and went, that was awful. Hmm. That was nothing like I thought it was going to be. I've since watched it again with no expectations, and I've loved it. And now I can see what those people saw in it at the start. But I think going in with such high expectations, it was never going to live up to it. So I do wonder whether or not Steve and I did you a disservice when we said it was so good, Mm, because you went in with expectations that documentary maybe just could never meet. Well, I'll say that I have gotten used to the two of you reducing my expectations um, or, or, sorry, let me say that again. I messed up the joke. 
I have gotten used to the two of you disappointing me. Um, I'm okay with that, and someday my heart will learn to forgive. But it's possible that that was a factor. Yeah. It's possible that that was a factor. I mean, I still liked it a lot. Um, In that case, I think it's something you might need to wait another, say, yeah. give it a month. Sit down, watch it again, and see whether or not your thoughts have changed. Uh, I'm, I'm, I never give it just a month. I always need... Like, if I see a movie that I really love, i got to give it at least another year or two before I see it again. Even if it's... A, oh, no, really? Whether it's a movie I hate, it doesn't... I just... If, if it's too recent, like, just with the way my timeline is, with my memory and stuff, like, a movie that I saw a year ago, it feels like I just watched it. So... With, okay. with with Muppet Guys talking, I'm going to wait a little while longer, but I think eventually I'm going to come around to liking it more. Um, the expectations could have been a factor, but very often, honestly, like when everyone says that something's really great and when it's people who I trust who say that something's really great, I'm generally not disappointed by it. I, I'm, I usually get what they what they see there. And so really I think this was a special case in which the two of you were especially terrible. Um, more so than most of the other human beings I know. So I, I'd like you to uh, sit in silence for the next few seconds as we all think about this. Well, before I do sit in silence, I just want to say... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know whether or not you were going to be able to make it through that without laughing. <laughs> nope, nope, couldn't make it. Okay, what would you like to say, Steve? Do you have something or are you just... I, just I would like to say that it's... Undercutting it, me? No, I, I, I would actually just like to say that it's probably time that uh we put this review to bed and uh do and and really just put this poor episode out of its misery you thought the last one was so terrible i th i don't know if this one is gonna I, I hope that you don't advertise this episode as a review of muppet guys talking because it's not it's an episode of muppet fans bitching. and if people expect that they'll probably enjoy it a whole lot more <laughs> okay um wow that was a little bit mean to me steve just a little bit. Oh, okay. I can do better. Hold on. Hold okay. On. Um, you suck. Oh, See, oh, can I that, try? That doesn't oh, have yeah, any no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. All right. Hey, JD. Yeah. You're a. <laughs> no, you already used that one. You already. I was. See, here's the thing. Based on what you've said before, I was already expecting that. So it yeah, didn't yeah, have much. Enough. It didn't have much of an okay, effect okay. on me. Okay. All right. So let all me right, just. Right, I'm. Right. I'm going to go through a list of some notes I took on the documentary. Okay. Okay. You're a fucking. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's good. I haven't heard you use that one before. No, have right. I heard you? I'm was, sure I have. Was it you or just all of my loved ones? Um. Okay. Anyway, it was, it was your grandmother. Yeah. Um. Let's see. So the opening at Rockefeller Center is a little <laughs> bit random. Like, who else mm. sees the documentary? Who else was expecting the documentary to start in the apartment? as they're all getting seated, and instead it's just like, oh, the pipes again. We're doing the pipes again. Okay. Well, and that was when I when I saw that that's how the movie started, I thought, okay, this is going to be great for everybody else, uh -huh. um, but these are all things that I'm going to know. That's what I'm but saying. Also... Like, I'm, I'm so used to, as a Muppet fan now, and tell me if you guys are the same way, uh, so many things that I see in Muppets now, I'm just used to my, my default response is, well, that's not for me. And that's kind of disappointing because I love so many things about Jim's work and the Muppets, and they've inspired me in so many ways in my life. So to look at, at things like that are, that are coming out or, or new things and go, I'm sure everybody else like that because I'm just not the target audience anymore. It's kind of weird because, 
of just my knowledge of what the Muppets once were and what they can do, and but they're not doing it, but everyone else seems to love what they're doing except me. I find a way to connect to it anyway. I find a way to connect to what they're doing now and accept the fact that it's not as great as the old stuff yeah. and hope that one day it will be. But at the moment, just accept what I'm getting. Don't get me wrong, I can certainly... Um, you know, admit when the Muppets do terrible stuff. But even the stuff that some might find mediocre now, I can find a way to appreciate the effort that's gone into it. Yeah. 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 I was surprised by just how much they were cutting to interviews in this. Um, and at first I found it a little off-putting, but eventually I realized it was nice just getting the variety so it wasn't all sitting around there with the talking. But I like the talking. The sitting, the sitting around talking, swapping stories was good. Some of those stories mm. seemed like they'd been, you know, repeating stuff from Muppets and Men and that kind of thing. Certainly a lot of the footage was from that, just since that's the footage mm. that is available from that time period. But then I think I, I got a little bit more optimistic when I heard about Miss Piggy's signature. Because that, that yeah. bit about how she had to practice that, I don't think yeah. I've heard that one before. Um, yeah, see, and that, it's, it's those things that I go, oh, wait, this is actually really cool. And, and, and that perfectly captures Miss Piggy, too. Like, that's such a great way to explain her. Like, she tries so, so hard just to become this image in her head of what she is supposed to so, be and what she w wants to think she is. What you need to do now, JD, is when yeah. you finish this, go and read part two of my interview with Frank. Because I asked him a question about Piggy's drive to be famous. Yeah. And what he says then, and this is going to sound real buzzfeedy, but what he said to me completely changed my perception of Miss Piggy forever. That is so BuzzFeedy. That is very BuzzFeedy, yes. You're it right. is, but that's as much as I'm going to say because I want people to go and read the interview. As well, well they should. And I will. I will now. Or just that part of it. Because uh, I don't like reading. But uh, And because I don't respect you. That's fair. What that made me realize, I think, is that uh, that and other things is that I mean, other things in this documentary is that the Muppet characters are, in nearly all cases, not what they want to be, not what they want to see themselves as. They have some image in mind of what they're supposed to be, and they can't really be that. So the story of the Muppets really is the story of how they try to deal with these tough facts in different ways. Miss Piggy can't be uh, the beautiful diva she wants to be. Fozzie can't be the great comedian he wants to be. Um, Gonzo... It, I don't know if it's entirely clear what Gonzo wants to be. He wants to be an artist. No one appreciates the... No one really sees him as an artist. But he's one of the people who who doesn't seem to mind that very much. Um, so the, the characters kind of respond to that in different ways. Every now and again you get a character who pretty much knows what they want to be and is that thing. There's just no explanation for why and how they're that thing, like Crazy Harry. Um, but I think it's it's much more so characters like... Bunsen and Beaker, who are just trying to be good scientists and failing at it. Um, the Swedish chef, who's just trying to be a good chef and doesn't realize how ridiculous he is. A lot of that stuff. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the comedy and where a lot of the drama comes from. And I have a greater appreciation for that now. Um, some other notes I have here. Fran actually got away with asking Bill to do one of his voices, to do Johnny Fionn. Right? But if, and and, and he Frank didn't kill her. Was, that's, here's, that's the thing. Frank was sitting there, and you're expecting him to just, you know, his eyes widen, you know, like laser beams energize in his eyes, and he starts to attack, but no. Right. She, Carmina Barana swells in the background, and 
but it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And it, yeah. he almost did a bit of Grover when he does the... Uh, that was nice to hear when he he used to have you know what do you call it a lock to get into a character. Yeah, yeah. That was that was cool. I I hadn't Sorry. heard that before. Yeah, Jared. Can I say though, talking about um, Frank, and we all know his uh, stance on doing characters' voices for people. Does Frank have a stance? Seen... Does Frank have a stance on on doing uh, uh, to asking Muppet performers to do the voice? Frank, if anyone asks Frank to do the voice, we all know... That was sarcasm, but continue. Continue. Well, you can cut that gag out, because I f***ed it. Um, When Frank... Did any of you see the Good Morning America interview? Unfortunately, I missed it. Not yet. You you, you didn't miss much. But at one point, whatever the host's name is, I don't know who that lady is, um, asks Frank to do Animal's voice. And I look, watched it thinking, oh, Frank's going to turn around and go, oh, well, you know, I'm not sort of, I don't really do that. Yeah. But he did it. What? <gasps> what? Yeah, it's only for, you know, maybe a second or two, but he does that. How did you come up with Animal's voice? I don't know. We were talking about that last night about voices, and I, I don't ever think of voices. I do characters, and the voices essentially just happen. Can I hear Animal? I got that. <laughs> God, it's amazing. I, I had to pause it because I'm like, no, surely that didn't happen. Surely I had a story halfway through watching this. But Frank did a voice for someone. Wow. That that really surprised me. So yeah. I don't know whether or not his opinion has maybe changed a little bit or maybe he just thought uh, for the sake of, you know, the documentary he might give it a go. He doesn't want to come across too unlikable or anything well, what- like that or too ungrateful. Right. What's the context? Was he doing it to make a point? No, no. He was. Um, they were talking about the character voices, I believe. Right. And she says to him, "Well, can you do a bit of animal for me?" And he does it. That is just incredible. I think with animal, he's a lot more. He. I think because it was animal, he was probably okay with it. I bet you, had yeah. they asked for Miss Piggy or Fozzie, he probably would have drawn a line. He might have given Cookie Monster, probably not Grover, I don't know, but it's just, like, he's careful with the dimensional characters, but with how much yeah. he's reduced Animal to a one-dimensional, arguably two-dimensional character, as long as he's not really doing any words there, he's probably not much of a problem, but, like, because Animal is more of a voice than a character in some respects. Um, right. Yeah. So, but just I the fact know, that, but, that this, yeah. this poor woman survived that, yeah. that's incredible. Well, uh, this is the taming of the beast right here. That's what we're witnessing. Um, also, someone else got to do a voice in this documentary. Dave got to do the voice of Frank Oz without getting oh, killed yeah. by Frank yeah. Oz. So yeah, that's that's true. That was really cool. Now, that was speak- also nice. Speaking of Dave, I don't think I ever actually knew that story about how Dave got connected to the Muppets through Frank. How did I miss that one? I, I don't, don't think know. I knew that story either. Yeah, I, I don't think I did. That was awesome. And the story of, and the story of you know Jim calling him. The story of uh, yeah. him meeting, going to meet Jim, and it happens to be when Jim's mother died. So yeah. Jerry went and had breakfast with him instead, and yeah. Jim rushed back from the funeral to come and meet him. That's those so are all stories I didn't know that I really, really, really liked hearing. Yeah, yeah that is so. Jim, though, right? Like the mother dies, and he just wants to keep on working. Oh, very. Right. Yeah. That is so. I mean, admittedly, 
Jim Henson hated his family and friends um, and the whole human race. So I can understand that. But... No, 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 that's you, Jim. Oh, that's, that's me. You. I, I yeah. keep, it's the beard. I keep mixing Jim and myself up. I'm sorry about that. Um, but I think uh, staying on Dave for a minute, because he does get a good bit of time here. It was such a great idea to keep all of Dave Goals' stumbling when he, you know, he, he's trying to get back to his question and he keeps losing track of it. They leave yeah. all of it in. Um, and, and what else was I going to ask? Oh, I was going to say, no, no, I lost it. Oh, I was, I think I was going to, no, I lost it. Cute, cute joke. I know. It's a, st- it, it, the old ones are the best ones. It's a stupid joke, but you know what? That's what we're all about here at MuppetHub.com, the stupid jokes. They do a very good job in this, uh, in this little film of reminding you of the importance of folks like Jerry Jewell and Don Celine. Even Bobby Payne gets a mention. Isn't that something? Like, they really wanted you to know about a lot of these uh, important people from way back when. Certainly, they spend a lot of time talking about Richard Hunt, as as they should have. As they should have. I'm glad they, they brought Richard up, too. Yeah. Um, but if ultimately, they move it towards Jim Henson and what kind of a figure he was and what kind of a work environment Jim created. And what I realized from this is I would not like to work for Jim Henson. I would not want that. No. For a few reasons. First of all, he should have given people a bit more feedback rather than just humming at people all the time because that's going to make people insecure about their performances. But I think he wanted people to figure it out for themselves. I think he more saw that as a teaching moment rather than anything else. No, but to teach, you have to guide a little bit. And taking away all guidance doesn't help. Like, you can... We, we only heard I, an edited story version right. of that. There, There is very likely much more to that that we may or may not ever know, but that's what made it into the film. And there's probably many times, many stories out there where Jim did tell them exactly what he wanted, but yeah. they chose to do these stories because, like I said, it comes across as a learning moment. Yeah. Right, this isn't a moment. guy who just hmmed his way through an entire career of being brilliant and right. innovative. I mean, he had great ideas, and he made sure that they got... You know that they were implemented, but there are also you know, there. There's times that more you know stringent coaching is called for, and other times where you can just kind of hmm. But bear in mind that this was he was still going to just going to keep going and keep going and keep going until you got it right. This was all dependent on you pleasing him without him telling you what it was he wanted and what he wanted really mattered here. So he should have communicated, but he was not the kind of person to just communicate his thoughts to people. Well, except, Mm. I mean, he communicated very well through the medium of film and the medium of television and through puppetry. It's just in his relationships with others, we know he had some weaknesses in communication. Just in very selective ways. And then there's the Archer story. With the with the arrow through the apple. (laughs) Then there's the story. I actually did know the Archer story. Yeah, that one I knew. That that one I knew. The elevator with the stacked Muppet performers for Great Muppet Caper I did not know. And so I did not know that. And the propane tank, I did not know. Nope, nope. I assumed it was a set, and they weren't actually buried. So I feel like he just he assumed that because he was an optimist, everyone else should be forced to do things that they might not be comfortable with, and that's wrong. I'm. I mean, I I I love Jim Henson, but I'm going to flat out say he crossed lines here. Well, he did things that you probably couldn't do today. I'll agree with that. But. 
that's not a problem with today. That's largely a problem with Jim, to be perfectly blunt and honest. I don't normally criticize Jim Henson on this show, but he did not care enough about the safety of the people who were working for him. And the way that this documentary romanticizes that is a little bit concerning. I think not... you're painting a very broad... Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're, you're taking making a very broad someone... statement. I think what you're taking what someone said in a documentary... It, it, wait, is it fair to say that you had that your opinion of Jim Henson was changed a bit by the time you had finished watching this documentary? A tiny, tiny, tiny bit. Okay, so you felt this way about Jim before watching Muppet Guys Talking. To a large extent, yeah. To a very oh. large extent. Okay. Well, I mean, it, in, in one way, that's you know, g getting your people to do things that they didn't realize that they could do is the definition of leadership. Now, you can yeah. talk about what his methods were, and you can talk about whether they were safe or not, um, if, if the people who were doing the work for him, uh, believed in his vision so much that they were willing to do those things, and let's face it, no one was holding a gun to their head to do anything, um, I don't really see it as a problem. That's personally. true. They, they were doing this because they wanted to please him, and they were doing this because he was willing to do it himself. It's just... Yeah, I mean, I'm that's, just, that's something that very clearly, that's a point they very clearly made. Exactly. He, he was, but... Bear in mind, he was willing to do anything. And ex I think the app. this is where the application of the golden rule fails. Because there's a lot of things that you might like or that you might be comfortable with that other people won't. And you have to be able to tailor things to the needs of other people. In many respects, Jim clearly cared about the people he was working with. Like the story about the uh, tech guy who messed up with the wire and Jim was incredibly patient and kind. That's the kind of person I want to be. That is the area in which Jim Henson has influenced me, and I want to be that kind of uh, that kind of a director, that kind of a leader, that kind of even as a low-level employee. I want to be the kind of person in any business environment or in any environment in general who makes people feel like it's okay to make mistakes. That's important, and that's great, and that's a big part of why I love Jim Henson and do see him as a very moral person. I just think that his misapplication of the golden rule in this case is a significant oversight that is often romanticized a little too much. That's all. That's about as critical and intellectual as I typically get about Jim Henson. That's really... That and, and the communication thing, those are the two areas where I will actually say, let's not praise Jim too much in this particular regard. He had some issues to work through here that he didn't totally work through. But by and large... What this documentary shows, and what it's probably designed to show, is just how awesome and amazing Jim Henson is. And for that, I am incredibly thankful. Because this is perhaps the best documentary for showing you just how great of a leader Jim was. And on that note... Yeah! <laughs> yep, that about wraps up most of the points that I had anyway. So I think if you'd like to, we can wrap this show up. We've been going for a long time. Darn. Yeah, well, let's wrap this show up. just kind of saying, like, this hey, went a lot longer this than is I good. Thought. This is, yep, this is, this fine, is a good but, length. Uh, see, see, we right. didn't really need to spend that much time talking about what's in the documentary itself. I think that there was a lot more to talk about with the other stuff, Steve. And this will be good, Steve. People will like this, Steve. Okay. All right. This is now. It's your turn to convince me. All right. Well, I am Steve Swanson from the Muppet Cast and the Fan Press Podcast. You can find the Muppet Cast still at MuppetCast.com. The Fan Press Podcast at FanPress.co. My email address, by the way, is me m e at FanPress.co. Oh, is it my turn? Is it my turn? Is yep. it my turn? Is it my turn? Jared, it's you. No thanks. No thanks. Ah. All right, look, I'll go. You can find me at MuppetMindset.com. Uh, Twitter is Twitter. 
uh, at MuppetMindset.com. Facebook is Muppet Mindset. I just realized I got Twitter wrong. It's not MuppetMindset.com. It's just Muppet Mindset. Um, <laughs> and e- email is uh, jdhansel at uh, IHaveAPewDBead.com. Yep. And with that, I'm JD Hansel, and I'm a... What am I, Jared? A fucking cunt. And there you go. And that wraps it up. <laughs> All right. I mean, I'm almost tempted to record an alternate one in case I decide I just can't use that, because that is the dirtiest this podcast has ever gotten. Um, okay. I, I mean, yeah, I will, I I will bleep it. I, I'll, I'll bleep it. It's just, believe it or not, there are some people who listen to this show who may be, you know religious Offended? or or well that's their fault who maybe have a conscience eh. 